Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ex-Mormon Files. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I appreciate you spending some time with us. And we're here in St. George still, and we've got Zach Windsor today. Thanks, Zach, for coming over. Thanks for allowing me. Fine young man, and uh, kind of an interesting story you've got. Uh, <laughs> where were you born? I was born in Cedar City, Utah. I moved to Delta shortly after. With your family. Were yeah. they Mormon? Were they? My grandparents were very Mormon. Okay. Um, and you my spent... mom was kind of on and off. I spent the majority of my life with my grandparents. So. Oh, and they took you to church? and. Mm -hmm. You, did you get baptized at age eight and all that stuff? I did get and, baptized and then yeah. uh, I went up through the ranks up through a priest. Did you? Yep. Yeah. So, served with your scout? Did you do scouting at all? I did scouting for like a year. <laughs> I give up on that. I'd rather play basketball, I decided. I know that happens <laughs> to a lot of kids in the, in the thing. So, uh, learned the primary songs though, probably. I and did. Went to primary and all that stuff. And where was that at? Was that in? Uh, Delta when I was younger, and okay. then a little bit in Salt Lake, and then I did all, well, all the middle and high school years were down here in St. George. Oh, they were, and that's where your grandparents lived. Yep. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, native, almost native, but well, not quite yeah, native. I'm pretty native close. <laughs> My family goes back all the way to Jacob Hamlin. So. Really? Yeah. He's a relative. He is a great, oh. great, great uncle or something. Now I know that name. He has a home here. Yeah, it's and over is that in Santa the one Clara. That Brigham Young? used or he used it? Or he it used it. Uh, the Brigham Young house is right in the middle of town by the tabernacle. Oh, okay. And Jacob Hamlin was one that settled, uh, settled Santa Clara. Oh, okay. And they preserved his home or mm -hmm. made it into a museum or just a, yeah, you know, they, it's something kind of, to look at? You can go up there. The oh. missionaries up there give tours. And yeah. So they were, it's a, owned by the church yep. then, is it? Oh, interesting. So, uh, what happens after, uh, I mean, during high school, and did you go to seminary at all? Did you? I did go to seminary. I was you? a, got to be a seminary president my did you? freshman <laughs> year. Oh, and, good for you. Um, I attended until my senior year. Yeah. I kind of give up on that. I, yeah. There were some other classes I wasn't attending as regularly yeah. as I should, so <laughs> I had to drop something to graduate. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Understand. <laughs> So uh, you were telling me an interesting story about your state president and yeah. So I went through high school about mission and, time, I guess. Was yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. So I went through high school. Um, believed in the church, wanted to be part of the church, but at the same time, I I wanted to party a little bit, and yeah. I come to the conclusion I didn't want to go on a mission. Were there many kids in your area or your age group and the people you hung around with that were that same way? You know, there was only really a couple. Uh, was there? I'd say 90% of my group of friends ended up going. Did go on missions, huh? Yeah, only a couple of us didn't. Yeah, a lot of pressure to do it though, isn't there? Do you feel guilty not going or? Yeah, you know, I, I did. I would have felt guiltier going. I, and this was kind of the conversation that I was having with my bishop and stake president is yeah. I, I wasn't worthy and they, 
I mean, they really wanted me to get ordained an elder. And okay, so tell us the story. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I decided I didn't want to go, and my stake president was also one of my real good friend's dads, knew him really well. Yeah. And uh, I grew up just down the street from the temple, so my stake president's office was that church just across the street from the temple. And uh, he called me up one night and he says, hey, I want to come talk to you. Come come see me in my office. All right, so I run over there and I walk in and he's sitting at the table and sitting next to him or sitting in his desk is uh, Jeffrey R. Holland, one of the 12 apostles. Right. (laughs) And I got to sit and talk. real big guns. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, come to find out that night, he grew up down the street from my grandma. He knows my family really well. So um, he's from St. George? Yeah. Okay. And wonderful man. I yeah. really enjoyed my conversation with him. Uh, yeah. I spoke for about an hour, but up to this point, I didn't really think the church wasn't true. Sure. I just didn't want to participate. Um, now, he said something to me through the course of this, and this was, time frame was 07, we're a year or two years, somewhere in that time from when the church went, raised the bar on the missionary standards. Oh, right. And, and, and said that every able-bodied young man should go. Yeah. And through the course of this conversation, he, he told me that uh, mission's not really for everybody. Oh. <laughs> and that kind of struck you yeah it struck me it kind of bothered me and the more I thought about it the more I was like well if they can just come out that as a a church policy and he's going to contradict it that quick (laughs) it shook my faith quite a bit more than I think it would have really should have maybe yeah Um, so shortly thereafter I actually ended up going just basically atheist agnostic or maybe now, isn't that an interesting step? I mean, you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, mm-hmm. and you're not the only one. I mean, there's many stories of that, people that uh, question the church and, and maybe move away from distance themselves from it. They become either agnostic or even atheist. Mm-hmm. And why is that, do you think? You know, for me, it was after that hit, it really came real to me how guilty I felt all the time. Oh, okay. uh, not ever really able to measure up and and I'm not I'm not one of those that have left the church that felt like I was mistreated yeah. I love the people in the church I still love all my family and yeah. all my friends um, but it was the little comments it was you need a missionary style haircut it was <laughs> oh is that enough. shirt really appropriate it was I mean there was always those little digs and then there's the more pressure you put on yourself than anybody else could. And after I come to a realization of that guilt that I was always holding, for me it just became easier not to believe in the God. Wow. Yeah, and you're not measuring up. You're probably disappointing whatever God there is. And and you're disappointed yourself perhaps, or was family or grandparents kind of involved in this process too? No. Them. I mean, they were there. and They let you make the decisions, yeah, and they didn't put too much. No, nah, my grandparents are they're wonderful people. I mean, they yeah. definitely would say, well, maybe you should go on a mission. Or, <laughs> But I never felt, for them, I can say I never felt they were really disappointed in me for not going on well, a mission. Well, that's good love then yeah. for them, isn't it? There was probably some other things I was doing they were pretty disappointed <laughs> in. But not that. Not that one. So how long does this last and go on? So that lasted from 
basically I graduated high school until three or four years ago. Oh my goodness, so a few years, huh? Yep, and I was, I got a job out of the mine in Ely, Nevada, and you had to go do a big physical out there. And uh, oh, a physical to qualify to yeah. work at the mine. Okay. Yeah, medical physical. And, yeah. And I was going through that, and the nurse practitioner guy. To this day, I wish I could remember his name to look this guy up. Give him a big thanks or yep. something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we'll hear his story yeah. now. He was a Christian, and uh, he heard I was from Utah, and he started witnessing to me like I was a Mormon. <laughs> and he started telling me the differences between the the Bible and Mormonism, and all these things, and I got annoyed with him finally, <laughs> and I said, look, one, I'm not Mormon, but two, like, the Bible's not what you say it is, and Christ wasn't really a God, and it was the Council of Nicaea, they called him God. I gave him the Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code version of the Nicene <laughs> Creed. And nicest guy, I cannot remember to this day, word for word, what he said, but he made me feel dumb. <laughs> Made you mad a little or something. Yeah, I got, I got a little upset. Yeah. Upset enough that I decided I was going to disprove God. Disprove God. Well, yeah. There's a challenge. <laughs> yep, and I didn't know what a big one it was. <laughs> but So I spent uh, well, the next almost two years. The first year I was just listening to uh, atheist debates, studying uh, the Big Bang Theory, physics, I mean, uh-huh. everything, biology, evolution. Yeah. And trying really hard to be fair and listen to both sides of the argument. Hmm. But I was still biased, and I knew I was biased. And even with that, I came to the conclusion that you can't disprove God. You can't really allow for anything, whether it's morality or, or the fact that we're here. You just sense there was a higher power and yeah. something that... Uh was in charge, I guess. Yep. Okay. Um, and apologetics became a really big thing for me after this whole process, just oh. because of studying all these things and listening to people like Ravi Zacharias and Jeff Durbin. And, yeah. Uh, it's wonderful, yeah. wonderful things they come with that's real logic-based. Right. Um, and so after I decided that there has to be a God, <laughs> I had to decide which religion was true. You had to figure, well, somebody's got to be true. I yeah. assume you initially thought Mormonism would be that only <laughs> true church, was it? I, maybe not. I think I wanted it to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd heard some stuff prior to that that had made me kind of doubt whether the church could be true, but it was the first one that I really delved into. Yeah. Anything specific come up? Well, the Joseph Smith, I mean, Joseph Smith's history. I was able to find his arrest records and <laughs> then really actually looked into his, like the prophecies even in DNC that yeah. never came to pass. And yeah. um, Unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't take me very long to cross Mormonism off that list. Looking for God, you didn't feel like you could find it there in Mormonism? No. I did. Well, you certainly hadn't. It didn't sound, doesn't seem like you found it the first few years of your life and mm-hmm. seminary and all that stuff. So, yeah. interesting. So, you looked elsewhere, too, then? Yeah, I, I actually, so about the second year of this process, I went through every major religion. I studied <laughs> the origins as best I could. I mean, I read the Quran. I, oh, my. Um, and it, it came to the point where I was like, all right, it's time to read the Bible again. 
you didn't ha hadn't come to that conclusion before. <laughs> no. Well, part part of it is that Mormon. I mean, you probably knew the Eighth Article of Faith and mm. told you that you couldn't trust the Bible. Was that in the back of your mind? Yeah, I mean that. Really, up until this point, that had always been in the back of my mind that <laughs> the Bible's been corrupted, and well, and you grow up, you hear Mormon's Christian. So if Mormon can't be right, then the Bible's wrong, so there was no reason for me to check it twice. Spent time with the Bible. <laughs> um, could have saved me a lot of time, had I, but... <laughs> <laughs> so you decided to pick it up. Yeah, huh? so I picked it up, and, and it's not that I'd never read the Bible before. I probably read it from you know, the Old and the New Testament three or four times while I was in high school. Really? The Bible? The Bible. That's unusual, isn't it? Or did you, were you aware of others reading the Bible at the same time? Uh, not really. I had one friend, a uh, real great friend of mine, his name was Brock Griffith. He yeah. ended up going on a mission. Yeah. And uh, me and him read the Bible together. We used to go up and light a fire up on top of the mountain and every weekend. And My dude, goodness. I was a weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, reading the Bible, so that's amazing. Uh, um, did you understand what you were reading? Did you kind of... I sure thought I did. Yeah? You're reading the words. Yeah, I was reading the words. <laughs> so so what, what was different this time? I went and got a Bible that uh, wasn't printed by the LDS Church. Okay. No, it didn't have the subheadings on every chapter that right. kind of summarized what was in the chapter for you. Was it a red you. letter edition that had Jesus' words in red, or did you notice that? I, I don't honestly don't, don't okay. even remember. <laughs> I went and I, I went out and got a red letter. Oh, I call okay. a red letter edition because yeah, we don't have red letter in mm -mm. in our Mormon scriptures. And I just wanted to read what Jesus said. That was it. I just wanted to see what yeah. he said. So anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah. Sorry. So I I just got a and it was a King James version. I didn't. Yeah. I still didn't trust any other translation. I, <laughs> um, of course not. And so. I mean, I guess I'd back up just a little bit before I actually read the Bible again. I started going through, well, testing the claim that it's not reliable. So I looked a lot into the manuscript evidence and... Really? Yeah. And then, okay, so well, there's manuscripts for it, but can we prove that anything it says is right? And <laughs> so I learned about Tacitus. and. Uh, Josephus and some contemporary historians of the time and how much they can back up. Well, look how well studied you are. That's awesome. Did you? you I got really mad when that guy made me look dumb. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> Yeah, I learned about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Which that was, was a baby for me. That one was a big one for me too because that, they say that the Bible was corrupted from the apostasy forward. Exactly. So now you get Old Testament copies <laughs> that, that predate the apostasy. Apostasy, the so-called apostasy, and they're just apostasy. about the same as we've got now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that was a big one for me too. The Great Isaiah Scroll was a big one. Uh, that's terrific. Um, but so after I went through that process, I was like, okay, well, if I doubt that the Bible is a legit book, then I have to doubt that Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great existed, because there's more evidence for what the Bible says. Yeah, that's true. And so then I decided I needed to read it again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I bought the copy without any of the headings, just normal King James Bible, and I started reading through it, and um, nothing really jumped jumped out at me until the New Testament. Uh -huh. And the New Testament, there's, I mean, things all through it that are great to learn, but I got to, uh, I got to Romans four five. <laughs> 
I think you can quote that. I can quote that. Let's hear that. Uh, Romans 4, 5 says, For he who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. His faith. His faith is counted as righteousness. Had you ever understood that concept before? <laughs> no. I, I think every time I read the Bible in high school, I could have just read the headings above the chapters and got the same amount out of it. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, um, and so I read that, and it was, it was like a huge slap in the face. You really understood what it said? Or did it, I mean, what did it say to you? Well, it was, yeah, I mean, the two, two lines out for who does not work. <laughs> and I probably sat there staring at the Bible for, at that, wait for minute. 10 or 15 minutes, because <laughs> I kept reading it, and there was something in my head that was, it just wasn't matching up. Yeah. And so I read it, I read it. that Mormon head thinking, yeah, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Because that, I mean, that's completely, that verse alone was completely contrary to the gospel I was taught growing up. That's amazing. Um, that's <laughs> fascinating. God, yeah. God just said, okay, here's a good scripture for you. Mm -hmm. Boing. <laughs> and so at that point, I, I stopped and I went back to the beginning of, of the New Testament. And I started reading it all over again. Do you feel like your eyes were opened at that point? I, I do. I, yeah, I was catching more and more that <laughs> things that I had just skipped over that didn't jump out at me. Um, well, like when Jesus was asked what the greatest two commandments were. Yeah. I've, my whole life I'd quoted that to love your God and to love your neighbor and completely skipped over the first part that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. Not three gods, <laughs> one yeah. God. And, and then Galatians 2.21 jumped out at me. Um, it says that for he, let's see, if righteousness depend on the law, then Christ died for nothing. Died in vain. Died in vain in yeah. the King James, yep. Yeah, those scriptures, and, and they started meaning more to you. Yeah. You'd read them before, it didn't mean anything, yeah. but all of a sudden your eyes are open. Isn't that something? Would, oh. would you call that your born again moment, or was it, did you have another such experience? I would actually call that my born-again moment. I would think so, when you all of a sudden, and then you're reading the Bible with new eyes. Yep, and, yeah, now, and it's making God. sense now. Not, none of it's reading and just going in one ear and out the other, so to speak. Wow. Well, where are you at with your personal life at this point? Are you married? I am married. I have four kids. Well, no, I meant, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, when and this back happened, in the story. Yeah. yeah, so when all this happened, I was married. I had three kids. Oh, you did. Um, now your wife's LDS. She grew she up was LDS. Um, LDS. She left the church pretty well after high school. So you were both inactive together, yeah. so to speak. And mm -hmm. did you share with her what you experienced? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> now, did you tell her about the f physical therapy or the not whatever it was over there in? Nevada. Yeah, I told her about what happened, and she basically said, well, knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> Go study. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but then after I had all these moments, I started, oh, babe, did you know this? Started sharing? Yeah. And the good her, news, the bad news, which did you? Well, showing, her, well showing her what the Bible was really saying and going, the good, hey, look, the good we news. were taught this, yeah, and yeah. this is what this is saying. And yeah. her response for probably the first six months was, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> you're, you're rocking my boat. Yeah. Even though I'm not active, you're rocking yeah. my boat. Yeah. And she was, I mean, just completely uninterested. She was bored of me trying to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then one day I, 
I don't remember why I was reading this one too or what brought it up, but the Pharisees come to Jesus at one point and they're trying to trip him up, but they ask him if this woman marries this man and he dies, Oh yeah. her brother takes is supposed to take her to her wife, and then if he dies, the next brother, and this goes on for seven brothers. Yeah. They say, now if all this happens, um, whose wife is she going to be in heaven? And Jesus says, well, there is no marriage in heaven. You're going to be as the angels, neither being given, neither giving or being taken in marriage. And she read that? And yeah, you I, showed it to yeah, her? Yeah, I showed that to her. And <laughs> there was a big one, huh? There was a big light bulb for her on that. She's like, wait. And so I think she did the same thing. She sat there and stared at it and probably <laughs> read it ten times. And What is this really saying here? Yeah. No, because so much of the LDS doctrine is built around that eternal marriage that's oh, going to last forever. And yeah, all that temple work. And, mm -hmm. yeah. So what did she do? Uh, so she then started asking me questions. Um, and so we started talking a lot about her. And at this point, I had just discovered uh, Jeff Durbin on YouTube. Okay. He's out of Arizona. He is. Yeah, I know Jeff. And or know of him. Know of him. Yeah. And he's a uh, he's really he's a street preacher. He right. goes out. I really enjoy his sermons, but yeah. the stuff that really drew me to him first was listening to him actually talk with the LDS. Yeah, and you I could relate to what he was saying because you yeah. had been on the other side. Well, and it was nice to hear somebody who would just who was talking with him, and he was loving, and he was gracious, but he was not compromising, and everything he said was something straight out of the Bible. Yeah. Um, and then to to watch uh, the LDS people really have nothing <laughs> to be able to answer that. Right. I, I think that, that just reinforced kind of the where you where, where I you, had come from, yeah. come to. But oh, well, that's fascinating. Yeah. So did you and Charnay start going to church, and or did you? Uh, we what did. There? Um, it was probably a few months later, and I really had no interest in going to church. Which is weird. Even though you felt this yeah, draw I, to the Bible. And mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I felt like I was so anti anything that felt like you were trying to earn your way into heaven. So even going to church yeah. was, was kind of in that category, huh? Yeah, and, and God took a while, but he, uh, he moved in my heart to kind of change that. But I was, I was really the same way about getting baptized into, the, into a Christian church also. Yeah. Um, it was just anything that was a work in my mind was hard for me to b yeah. chew off and yeah. I definitely had to come to some new understandings of what those things really mean and what they're what they're for but well so did you eventually get to a church and we do that, we did uh, that going? I love it yeah what, what did you think the first time you went you it's loud that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what I, I, oh boy <laughs> Yeah. What else did you, I mean, things that you noticed? Things that I noticed, that, like again, really it was just, it was loud going into worship. I think we showed up five or ten minutes late. Mm. And so we walked into this full band playing on stage, yeah. drums and guitars, and yeah. everybody was standing up and singing along, and there were some people with their hands up in the air. <laughs> Uh, actually worshiping. Yeah, right? actually yeah. worshiping. And being there because they want to be there, mm -hmm. not because they're earning their way to the celestial kingdom. Yeah. And the and words, were they up on the... Yep, the words were up on there. Isn't that fun? And they're all about Jesus, aren't they? And about they God are. And 
about God what he's and, done for and us. his true gospel and yeah uh, it, it was amazing and how happy everybody was really I mean, yeah and even one thing that struck me outside of the worship is when the uh, the pastor was actually up preaching you look around the room and 90% of everybody was paying attention <laughs> people had their Bibles open they were following along they were reading things oh, that is so different I didn't notice one person with their tie rolled up on the pew and their forehead <laughs> on it trying to sleep which is what I always did <laughs> or have their little things out playing games and yeah. stuff or whatever and yeah yeah they're there because they want to worship and they want to be there mm-hmm. and uh, so what are we missing here why why is uh, why does Mormonism not allow that and what you know you were atheist after leaving the church kind of yeah. and you just uh, you just kind of wonder why why there's that step you know we just don't we don't have we as Mormons do, must not have a deep foundation with Jesus and the yeah. Bible and so when we walk away we're kind of empty yeah yeah and then God reaches down and touches you <laughs> yeah and I, honestly I just think I think it's a it, it's an almost an exhaustion thing you you spend so much of your life and I can't say that I spent you know, 40, 50 years, like some people I've talked to in yeah. the church. But you certainly watch your grandparents. Yeah. I'll bet they spent a lot of time mm -hmm. and effort into the church, didn't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, then they do, you know, the temples every Wednesday and Relief Society. And yeah. it's amazing how much time that being a member of the Mormon church can just demand from you. And it actually isn't moving you toward God. No. Or Jesus. You're just kind of... Doing. <laughs> yeah, so much of it's just almost busy work. Yeah. Um, I I almost think that when you leave the church, you're just spir spiritually and just exhausted. You're. Well, there have been a lot of people we've talked to that actually take that six, ten, eight, twenty years to mm -hmm. to kind of group regroup, and and then God does call them out. And so, well, we've just got a little bit of time left, and anything you'd like to say to your family, friends. What you, uh, you, you feel happy about where you're at? Yeah, I, I love where I'm happier now than I've been. I mean, really, it, it, in what I can recall memory-wise. There's just a joy there, isn't there? There and is. Kind of freedom. There is. Well, and there's a, there's a purpose there to that. It's a different kind of purpose than the, the to-do list that I had in Mormonism. Like but, what? Well, like, I, I feel very driven since I've been saved to share the gospel. Oh. Um, I've actually done a couple different interviews similar to this one. Have you? A little shorter. Okay. Um, just talking about the understanding the Bible after Mormonism. Yeah. And then awesome. I've gone, I went up to Manti last year and did some street. During the pageant. Yeah, the during pageant. the pageant. That's did kind some of street preaching. And, and I, th there's a purpose there that's that's something that I, you know, I want to do, but I feel driven to do. Well, good for you. That. Well, God puts it on our heart, like you said, love God, love our fellow man, and mm -hmm. yeah. Well, gosh, we're out of time, Zach. Yeah. That goes quick, doesn't it? That does. Yeah. Well, you're a great young man, and you've got what three children? You just four say? children. Four now. children. Good for you, and uh, your wife's with you. Yep. And you're able to worship together. That's a blessing. It is. Because that doesn't always happen. So, well, thanks again for sharing your story. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. And we'll see you next time on the Ex-Mormon Files.
This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Thank you.